Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You all now can come down, build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, enjoy the watch parties or a random Tuesday evening with the finest beef around. Hassle Cattle is giving away a $200 gift card and a cooler to one lucky winner. It's easy to enter. Just head to DNVR Sports Twitter page, click the link. It's our pinned tweet. It's free. You can win money in a fantastic cooler. I mean, it's as simple as that. And you have an awesome opportunity to get such a dope prize. Plus, you're going to get notified about all their best deals. Speaking of deals, Hassle is hooking it up with 10% off your entire purchase. Just use the code DNVR10 at checkout. That's DNVR10 to save 10% every single time. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. They are a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful U.S. of A. straight to your door, and they call their beef the Blue Collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Make sure you use that code DNVR10 to save 10% off your order. Any orders over $200 are going to get free shipping. We love Wagyu beef. We know you're going to love Wagyu beef, and we especially love Hassle Cattle, the best family, or uh, excuse me, best cattle farmers around. Family farmers would be kind of weird. Shout out to Hassle Cattle Company. This is the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We got Henry Chisholm. We got Jake Schwanitz. One more week without Dre. Um, he will be missed, I guess, but... How is it going, guys? I'm really looking forward to talking about all this chaos in college football. College football is just chaos. That's kind of what I realized. There's like nothing else because whether it's just like sitting down and watching a day of college football or like living a full life of college football as I do and you do, like it just there's just always something. Like there's the Big 12 doing all that stuff. There's crazy upsets. Ralphie's not running tomorrow because of a bunch of crazy things that happened and people are rioting. <laughs> let's, let's dig into that. That's, that's where I have some expertise. I've been talking to my sources, um, uh, my Ralphie sources, and she really has issues with turns because she's, she was orphaned as a baby and uh, she, she's basically been raised by humans. And so when it comes time to turn her, she just, is, she just loves being touched. And so she's just like, oh, this is great. And so she, she just kind of stops. 
And so the Broncos didn't let her practice at the, their field. They're like, well, we can't run her out there because she's just going to stop and get all cuddly in the middle of the field. And so that's what I've been dealing with for a day and a half now. Riveting news, Hank. We appreciate the the Ralphie update. <laughs> yeah, breaking news here. <laughs> Nobody knows that. <laughs> that's kind of cute, though. I mean, it's it's more appealing than being afraid that Ralphie was going to maul someone to death or something like that. Yeah. Right. So she's like a third of her full grown size. That 2024 season is when you start worrying about somebody getting gored. I think CSU and CU play in 2024. So I that little uh, ram. oh man let's let's talk about the big 12 though because obviously this is this is pretty crazy how fast all this happened i mean i think i was a little skeptical that texas and oklahoma were going to jump to the sec that happened in a matter of days the big 12 wasting no time going out and adding byu cincinnati central florida um who am i missing uh, Houston, Houston, yeah, Houston, yeah. excuse me. Thank you. I think probably the right four. I mean, it, it, it kills me to say it as a CSU guy, you know, I, five years ago, CSU was hoping to be in this conversation. They probably would have had a better chance to be in the conversation five years ago. But if we're talking about the, the G five brands that have kind of been most consistent, if we're talking about the, the areas of the country that would make the most sense from a travel standpoint and from like a media market standpoint, I think these are the right four. The only, I mean, maybe Boise state would probably be the surprise one, but they don't have the academics. That's a tough travel situation, especially if they'd be at coming solo. Just what's your guys' initial reaction to all this? Well, I mean, the big 12 is kind of thrown out regions, right? I mean, if you have UCF and BYU in there, I mean, that's, those are pretty large uh, trips for the teams. Um, but really surprising how it all came together so quick. I mean, the invitations came out this morning, BYU accepts this morning, then driving just through the Salt Lake area today, there's already billboards up uh, advertising the Big 12 and BYU. So it's just crazy that this was all so fast. Yeah, I think it, I think it makes sense. Um, I think it was pretty clear that, that none of the other conferences wanted to expand. Um, and because of that, it just meant that the Big 12 was kind of stuck just trying to, to fill in the gaps. And they filled in the gaps with the, the top group of five teams in the country. And I, I think they gave themselves a chance to, to, I don't know, continue to be a Power 5 conference. Um, you need a couple of programs to really step up. You need, like, Iowa State maybe to just continue what it's doing right now. I don't even know who else you look to. You know, if... If uh, five, six years from now, a Big 12 team makes the college football playoff, what team is that? That's TCU, maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't the know. Think about the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. It might be one of these new teams, Cincinnati or Central Florida, depending on kind of what happens here moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think by adding these four teams, they're at least on par with the Pac 12. Obviously, losing your top two brands, Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, that was just a brutal blow. There's really not any coming back from that, but this at least gives them a chance to kind of stay afloat. And I'd honestly, like, I would be surprised if this was the last move that they made, you know, five years from now, it wouldn't surprise me if there's, I don't know, two or four more teams. I just, I think this does enough to keep them afloat. I don't know if it does enough to move the needle in the long run to really, you know, help the long-term stability of this conference. 
Yeah. I I mean, I the I I don't know exactly what it was, but there was a way that all of the basically they somebody rated success using numbers and combined them for the conference. And I want to say the top was like a 25 and then it kind of like went down to like the ACC was like an 18 and the Pac-12 was like a 15. And then these guys came in at like a nine. And just because they don't have top end talent at this point, like, I guess, I guess you're kind of projecting Iowa state at this point to, to be among the best. Uh, but, but that's just so recent and who knows if it's sustainable. I do think that there is a pretty clear gap. I, I also think that it's, a I guess my conference. counter is just who in the pac 12 is that much better in terms of like, uh, I mean, obviously the big 12 is losing Oklahoma. That's the mm-hmm. one school they had that was yep. clear and cut better than anyone in the pac 12. But I mean, like USC, Oregon, it's not like those have been playoff contenders, at least any time recently, but this is, this is a projection we're talking about. This was like based on like the last five years, not not including okay. like Oklahoma, Texas, but just with these teams. And then the thing is, like, if you look at them, like, like Oregon has consistently been near the top ten. And when okay, you look I at get you. you, when you look at like, like Cincinnati's had like a run where they've gotten up there and then kind of fade away. I guess they're up there now; they haven't really faded away. But I think that. Throughout the conference, they have good football teams. And I think that that's something that they really have going for them is like, I guess they still have Kansas there. So, so that's not necessarily true. But for the most part, I think they added some solid depth pieces who can kind of compete with the middle of that conference. And who knows, maybe one of them pops. Yeah, I think a way to put it is the ceiling of the Big 12 is lower now that you lose Texas and Oklahoma. But I think the floor is much higher when you add these teams uh, the four teams, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. Well, I mean, those are yeah. competitive teams. Um, and even, you know, teams, Oklahoma State, TCU, uh, Texas Tech, they'll have seasons every now and then where they're an eight, nine, 10 win program, you know. Um, so it's still going to be a competitive conference. Uh, if they're competing for CFP berths, um, I would be really surprised at this point. I mean, maybe down the line in the near future, but uh, the conference isn't, you know, it's not a powder puff conference now. For sure. I think it all just comes down to the expanded playoff. I mean, if the playoff doesn't expand anyways, it's basically a mute point because the SEC and Big Ten are going to take three of the four spots every single year anyways. Maybe, or the ACC if Clemson keeps it up, but I don't know. It's just interesting to see how fast all this happened. I feel like in the past when there was conference realignment, it would kind of just be this long drug out thing for months and months and you'd be reading about it. Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And nowadays it's just like, yeah, it's happening. And obviously a lot of this stuff was was going on behind the scenes for months, but at least with the the way it's unfolded in the public eye, it's it's interesting to see. And I think the Big 12 made the right move in acting fast, right? Like it would have not been in their best interest to play this whole season out and then be like, all right, now we'll pursue our next interest. They gotta fill that gap. Well, I think that's kind of the interesting interesting thing about this, right? They did this mid-season, like that's never really yeah. happened before. I mean, this is where we already have teams playing games and everything, and they've got guys accepting conference invites. It's just unprecedented. For sure. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, I do think that this is kind of close to the end of it, though. 
I think maybe there's some conferences because what you lose Houston and Cincinnati from that's the AAC, right? UCF, so, yeah, UCF, yeah, so they'll probably have to find a way to fill those gaps. Do you guys think that there's anything else that, that's on the way other than something like that? Well, they've already we've already had some statements from the American and the Sun Belt being like we're we're talking. So I don't think we're we're done in terms of movement. I would imagine one of these conferences is either going to try either it's the American trying to poach the Sun Belt or the Sun Belt trying to poach the American, the Mountain West trying to poach the American. I floated out earlier. If I was the Mountain West, the first thing I'd be trying to do is I'd be trying to take SMU uh, and Memphis from the American, and then I'd be trying to take Gonzaga and Wichita State and just making myself one of the best basketball conferences in the country and kind of you know, adding SMU and Memphis is just a little bonus for, for football on top of that. But more than anything, if you were able to do that, you'd basically just do the final dagger to the American and, and kind of cement yourself as the best of the rest. You know, you're not a power five team, but you could kind of establish yourself as the clear cut best G five league or whatever it becomes called down the line. For sure. I think, I think it'd be tough to convince Gonzaga to, to leave. Um, just well, because- I think it would have been, but now you got to remember that BYU was in the WCC for all their other sports. So them leaving for the Big Twelve is going to be a, it's going to massively impact the revenue of that conference. True. Again, they just, but they just- also get a guaranteed cakewalk into the tournament basically every year. And the way that's all set up is they get to keep the majority of their tournament earnings. Like, and that's that's why they've stuck there is because. Like in the Pac-12, if if a team goes to the NCAA tournament and they pick up whatever two million dollars, that just gets split, split among evenly the conference, among the yeah. teams. I can't remember what the number is, but basically, it's like fifty percent of what you earn in that conference you get to keep, and that's specifically for Gonzaga. And when you have that going for you, and you have that cakewalk, it would be so tough to to leave. Well, they get they get an automatic buy like to the semifinals, I think of their conference tournament for basketball. Like there's there's a lot of catering to Gonzaga, which the WCC should do. I mean, it's the for only sure. team that's other than St. Mary's and a couple of other programs that are at least competitive. I mean, basketball's kind of apples and oranges when it comes to talking about football and, you know, how you can compete on a national level, but anyways, we've gone way into the weeds here. I just kind of wanted to get everybody's thoughts on the big 12, get their instant reaction. I think it's an exciting time for college football. Like I also think it's just a weird time because it's hard to really see where this is going. I mean, this is just kind of a gut reaction for you guys. And I'm asking for, does this impact the potential of an expanded playoff at all? Do you think we're still trending in that direction? Do you think this could make people hesitant or just does it, you know, not even impact the conversation at all? Yeah, I think that's kind of just inevitable at this point. I think everyone's looking for more revenue from those playoff games because they know that they generate so much money. Um, And now that you've kind of consolidated the power conferences, I think you kind of have to expand at this point. Yeah, with Texas and Oklahoma left, it basically meant that they just threw everything they've been working on out the window. And I, I, I don't think like they start those conversations again until you know exactly what is going on. And it's not, I mean, I think we're pretty close to it. Like I said, like there's going to be some movement with some of the G5 conferences. But again, that, that isn't 
nearly as impactful as Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. And so I do think that it will expand. I do think that it'll be in a different way than it was supposed to expand when, when we first heard about this this spring um, because of all the movement. Um, who knows? Who knows what that'll look like? I mean, you'd think that the other Power Five conferences would say they want a limit on how many teams can come from one conference, and that's probably going to be the sticking point. And, you know, if if every conference but the SEC agrees, there's not much the SEC can do unless they say, well, we're just not going to be a part of this, which might just be the way that all of this goes. Going to be interesting for sure. Let's jump into week one. Uh, I guess before we do, just real quick, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. All you got to do, bet $1 on any football game this weekend. You're going to receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Any week one lines, you games, money line, prop bets, anything that you guys are feeling confident about? I have so many. I know. <laughs> I, I, I probably have 15 games that I've put money on already. Um, some of them I've actually already lost, which is real cool on a Friday night. But, um, Iowa, Iowa State, I think the unders hit like 13 of the no, last... No, NFL, NFL oh, for DraftKings. Oh, yeah. I have even more of those picked. Um, <laughs> Are the Broncos beating the Giants? Broncos minus three, baby. Hammer it. Hammer Broncos it. Broncos minus three. You heard it. And you can hammer that at DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, all new customers, $200 in free bets instantly when you bet at least $1 in any football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. I actually made a withdrawal tonight. Super convenient. Friday night, had dinner with the in-laws. Always nice to have a little bit of money. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That promo code DNVR to get free $200 in bets instantly. This week only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. You know what you should do with that uh, that money you pulled out, Justin? What should I do with that money, Hank? Maybe uh, maybe head over to Green Mountain Dental. Your, your teeth deserve a little bit of a, an upgrade, you know? You're telling me my teeth are enough. ugly or something? Um, <laughs> if you want to, like, lean in, I can tell you. <laughs> no, those are fine teeth. Those are fine <laughs> teeth. But people at Green Mountain Dental could make them even finer. Um, and they make it easy for you to take care of them yourself because if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at green mountain dental, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. They're great people. It's a family owned dentistry, uh, located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver and Lakewood. Uh, they're huge Colorado sports fans. We've had coworkers go out there. We've had listeners go out there. Nobody's had anything but positive things to say. Um, Lindsay got her wisdom teeth out and said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life. So get out there, get a cleaning x-ray and exam and get your free Sonicare toothbrush at Green Mountain Dental Group today. Shout out Green Mountain Dental, one of our longest standing partners. We love them. We know you will too. Let's dive into week one. It was, I'm going to be honest, as a whole, I think there were some weird upsets, but it wasn't like a super exciting week of college football. There's a lot of blowouts, but there were some fun ones. And the one I kind of would like to start with is the UCLA LSU game because 
coming into the season, we kind of heard from Hank that UCLA was going to be overrated. So far, they're not looking overrated. Have Are you buying into this Bruins team yet? Or is it going to be a wait-and-see type situation? Are they beating up on some not-so-great teams? I... I I also was pretty low on LSU. And so that's kind of where I am. And yes, it was an impressive performance. They look good. Um, what they only won by like one score though. And I think I said this on this podcast last week. I think both these teams are like 28 and 29 in the country, something like that. And and I think LSU was ranked at like 20 or something like that. They're good, but they aren't going to be factors in everything that goes on this season. It's 38-27, but I think UCLA pulled away late. It was a one-score game for most of it. But hell of a game from Zach Charbonnet, former Michigan running back, 11 carries, 117 yards, one touchdown. Britton Brown had a solid game as well with 96 yards and a touchdown. Jake, are you stoked to see a former Wolverine killing it out in Hollywood or... Is it just kind of frustrating knowing like this is what he should be doing for Michigan? Um, yeah, kind of both. I mean, I'm not surprised that he's playing really well because I thought he was pretty impactful at Michigan, but um, it seems Michigan's got a solid stable back. So, I mean, it'd be nice if they had Charbonnet. Uh, regardless, he's looked nice there. Um, UCLA just looked, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of nervous to buy in also. Um, but offensively in particular, um, you know, DTR's, been better at uh, not turning over the ball, which I think has uh, been a huge factor for them. Uh, but they've leaned so much into the run game. Uh, he only, DTR, only had 16 passing attempts in that game against LSU uh, compared to 47 total team rushing attempts. So, um, you know, kind of protecting him and just not letting him lose the game for them is really the strategy at the moment. Um, that defense was actually pretty solid too. I mean, they did play an LSU offense that Aside from Keishon Bouti, they don't really have much, I don't think. So I'm, I'm still a bit apprehensive on, you know, praising UCLA at this point. Well, this is the draft pod. You know, Denver's future with Melvin Gordon, a little bit uncertain, just given, you know, you don't know if they're going to want to lock, lock him down again after this deal. Is he a guy you'd like to potentially see in Denver down the line? I know it's early in the year, but based on, based on what you've seen with this game, or is he too similar to what they have in Javante Williams? Um, that's a good question. I think he is a bit too similar. I do want to see them diversify the backfield a bit more. Um, I know Javante is, I think he's fine in the passing game, but I think that's just an element they've really been missing for a long time. Is that true passing down back? Um, a guy that can really, you know, do some damage split out or out of the backfield, catching some footballs. Um, so while Charbonnet would be nice to have, he only had the one reception. It did go for 35 yards. Um, but I would need to see more of that side of his game before I completely buy in on him on the Broncos. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same spot there. I do think that the Broncos are going to have to go after a running back in this draft, though. Um, not necessarily like in the second round again, but you just you don't go into a season with Javante Williams and Mike Boone and Levante Bellamy. Would he be the number three in that group? Like, like you just need to have multiple running backs. And I know Broncos fans have talked a lot about potentially trading Melvin Gordon. You, you need to have at least two running backs. That's just the world we live in, and even more so with 17 games. I, I think they do probably sign one in free agency and probably pick one in, like, the fifth round, too. I think you're spot on. I mean, honestly, I, at this point, I think you almost need three running backs just with the way they seem to go down. 
Looking Let's Baltimore, take it. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. As somebody that owned Gus Edwards in fantasy, that was a, a brutal situation. Uh, hopefully he and they had a couple of dates go down. I think Peters went down as well. Like I feel for all these guys that, that go down early in the year, you know, not even get a chance, but let's, let's stick in the pack 12 since we started with UCLA. Cause I know Hank's dying to talk about Montana, Washington, not a lot of draft implication, but a shocking result. And, at least for us, I mean, Hank was feeling mad cocky throughout that game. He was, other than the officiating, he was talking about how Montana legitimately looked like the better team. Were, I mean, how did it play out? You, you watched this entire game. Like, what happened in this game? How did Washington blow it? Montana was stronger and faster. Like, it was kind of surprising to see. So it's like, like South Dakota State coming into CSU. It's just like, they're yeah. just the better team. Just, just like pushing them around in the trenches, and then they were just too fast defensively for Washington to get anything going. And like I was texting all that. Apparently at halftime, uh, Bobby Houck, Montana's coach, went on the radio station and said, "Like I know we're losing, but we have been the better team in this game." And I didn't hear that at the time, but looking back, he was totally right. Um, I'm honestly not all that concerned about Washington going forward, but I also, I mean. I have them second still in the Pac-12 North because the Pac-12 North is one of the worst divisions in college football. Um, we knew that they did, they couldn't really score points. Like whenever they win a game, they're going to win a game with 17 points. Maybe they'll hit 20 a couple times, but the defense is just so good that I think that they're still going to be able to to win enough games. It's just early in the season, a couple things not clicking for sure. And I have the money line for them against Michigan this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say Michigan needs to watch out, especially because, you know, they're prone to kind of downplaying in these bigger uh, games, Mm -hmm. out-of-conference games, but also just because Washington getting embarrassed on their home field uh, to an FCS team, I mean, that's just going to breed some anger there. Um, And I would hope, right? You would, yeah, you would think. That's what I'm telling myself as somebody whose alma mater lost to an FCS team by 19 (laughs) points last week at home in front of 35,000 people. So you would hope that that would make a team come out with a little bit of anger. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a competitive. We'll get into it later. Um, I don't want to get too into Washington, Michigan right now. All right, let's uh, let's keep it in the Pac-12. Again, I know not the best conference, but we like to focus on a lot of these West Coast teams because not everyone talks about them. And we cover these conferences pretty in-depth. Pretty rough one in terms of Washington State blowing it to a really unproven Utah State team. And then also Cal drops to Nevada. That one less surprising. I mean, I'm I'm super high we call on that. this Nevada. I mean, yeah, I mean, I called it. I went on bets. I, I confidently said it was going to happen. I put money on it, won a little bit. I don't think you're panicking if you're Cal, but man, Washington State and Wazoo between the whole Nick Rolovich thing and like how the conference media days played out and like him not going and then them getting embarrassed by a very mediocre Utah state team. That's a rough start. I mean, how bad is this Washington state team going to be this year, Hank? I think they're going to be terrible um, for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, like (laughs) you have a coach who isn't getting vaccinated and all he's asked about is getting vaccinated and he's spending all day talking about that. And just do it and people stop asking you. Exactly. Like, I don't even, we're not even going to get into the, the politics or any of that. Just simply from a distraction standpoint, yeah. it would be a competitive advantage 
for him right. to be vaccinated, not have to talk about it and not worry about having to miss games. If you get infected again, I'm, I'm not telling anyone how they should feel about the vaccination or whatever, but strictly from a competitive standpoint. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that a lot of people at Washington state, like in the administration are like upset with him and embarrassed and all of those things. Like he is not going to be their coach next year. The question is whether he makes it through this year. You've got all of that going on while you already had a bad football team. It's, I mean, again, Pac-12 North is terrible. They might be able to pull a couple of games. But, I mean, I mean, you got Max Borgie, the running back. He's fun. Outside of that, I'm not sure who else you even look at draft-wise. He's the only player I can name on Washington State's roster right now, and that's only because he came from Pomona High School, and I saw him in here play locally a lot like other than that i'd have no no reason to turn on a washington state game this year yeah they're bad in terms of cal i'm still in wait and see mode i mean we talked about this a little bit with them before but it's good defense honestly holding nevada to 22 is a win yeah like like, not a win because you lost the game but you know exactly i'm I'm not deciding one way or the other um i think they have a, a good matchup this week tcu this week and so that'll be a good test and Next week, I'll be ready to, to make some more decisions there. I want to let Jake jump in here in, in just a second, but just real quick, Hank. I believe TCU is like 11 and a half point favorites or something like that. I was tempted to take Cal to cover. Are we worried about their ability to keep up offensively, though? Uh, it's a stay away from me. I, I have seen people, though, like reading through like ESPN's picks and all those sorts of things who really like that one. Um, but to me, I. I just don't know what this team is. They were terrible last year. They were good the year before after being average the year before that. So it's just like one more week and I'm going to start betting on them. I think we also have to mention Oregon though. Uh, You know, we kind of talked about it in last week's show. Fresno State's uh, a pretty solid team coming out of the Mountain West and they really gave Oregon all they could handle um, to a certain point. I hope people hammered that 19 point spread because I I made a lot of money on Mountain West teams against the Pac-12 this past week, but it was just too high. You know, I, I wasn't bold enough to be willing to take Fresno state to outright beat them on the road, but they've got Jake Hayner. Who's one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the country he can make all the throws their experience. They got talent at the skill positions. And we saw that. I mean, they were, they were gashing that Oregon defense for big play after big play. Yeah. And uh big draft implications too, with Kayvon Thibodeau's injury. Um, last I saw he was day to day. I don't know if he's ready to play. Um, this week they have Ohio State, of course. We'll get into that later on. Um, but just huge for that team if Kayvon Thibodeau is not able to suit up for their biggest game of the season. He's still day-to-day, but he did make the trip. Okay. That's the latest update. That's a least that I've seen. Ole Miss absolutely rang Louisville. I want to talk Notre Dame, Florida State, but I want to save that game last, obviously, because I think that was – by far the most fun game of the weekend and just a great way to cap off an opening college football weekend. But the lane train, I mean, Kiffin had to miss that game because he tested positive for COVID. He is vaccinated, unlike Nick Rolovich. So not taking the heat, but just doing the responsible thing. Um, I'm pretty high on this Ole Miss team and their potential to really be a pest in the SEC this year. Matt Corral looks awesome. I love Lane Kiffin and, and just he's willing to open up this offense he's one of the few guys in the game that's just willing to be like fuck it i'm willing to go all speed i'm willing to go balls to the wall for four straight quarters where are you guys at with this Ole Miss team and where are you guys at with Matt Crowell I know we're going to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit before we transition into week two but 
I don't know. They, they feel like they could be a eight, nine win team this year. Yeah. I think the hypes deserve to a certain point. Um, still those games last year from Matt Corral, those two stinkers, the six pick and the five pick game really kind of loom large for me at this point. Um, so I still just want to see more from him, but he looked nice. Um, you know, he was really twitched up. He was making quick reads, uh, put the ball in the right place. Um, and on the other side, just Louisville, man, uh, Malik Cunningham yeah, was a guy that we were hyping up a little bit last year in the beginning of the season. And he kind of just fell on his face. I mean, I think all of Louisville kind of fell on their face. Really. That team is not good. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to put too much stock into Ole Miss at this point, especially with the schedule they have coming up. Um, but like you said, definitely a candidate to win eight, nine, 10 games, possibly if things go the right way. That's kind of where I'm at too. Um, it's, it's the defense. It's concerning. You know, I, the offense looked really, really good. And I think it'd probably be unfair to say like, this is what I expected to see from that offense, but we did expect to see a good offense. Um, the defense well, got good coaches and experienced quarterback. We knew sure. They had some speed at the wide receiver position. Like it's not shocking by any means for sure, but they did play well. On Corral, I think you could make the case that he was, in terms of draft prospects, the best quarterback in the country this week. Um, he uh, he looked really good. Like like Jake said, he was twitched up. Like there's there's just a different way that he moves with the ball, and he's so good with his feet in the pocket too. He hit on some nice balls downfield. You know, I do have some concerns because still like two thirds or maybe even more of his passes are just RPOs. Um, and again, you don't want to knock somebody for something they can't control, but a lot of what he does is made a lot easier by that offense. And on top of that, there were some really good plays that he made and I don't want that to get lost either. Um, you just need to see more. Just need to see more. No, I think that's fair though. I mean, he's, he's put in an advantageous situation by the system I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to bring the best out of most quarterbacks. And like, that's really what he was brought there to do was to make an exciting offense. And he's been able to do it. I also think you're spot on in terms of defense. Like they're going to be a team that can score 50 any week, but they can also give up 50 any week. And that's really been Ole Miss for a while, but they're at least going to be fun. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm yeah, here for, for fun sure. Ole Miss. Cause I hate those years when they're not even relevant. Cause you, you need teams like them to potentially upset an Alabama, to potentially upset a Georgia, because that's that's what keeps the chaos in all of this. All right, totally. let's um, we're gonna talk quarterbacks, but we might as well talk about Notre Dame, Florida State. Is there any other games you guys want to talk about before we talk about this one? Um, I think we should talk about Georgia Clemson for a little bit. Um, oh, duh! No, good lord! Just, I, don't just, <laughs> I mean. I was the only one that picked Georgia um, because I thought that that defense would play well and that defense played well. But I think we we all kind of forgot the fact that Clemson's offensive line was absolutely dreadful uh, when they against, went against Ohio State in the playoff last year. And it really seems like it hasn't gotten any better. Um, you know, people kind of sounding the alarm on DJ. Um, he looked OK. It was just he really stood no chance half the time. Um, and they're just Clemson's just not, I mean, this might come back to bite me, I guess, but I don't think they're the same team they used to be. They don't have the weapons on the outside. They don't, I don't think they have the uh, stables in the running back room. Um, the offensive line wasn't looking good defensively. They were fine. Um, but on the first side, they're still going to run through the ACC though. Exactly. Right. Like, right. Especially yeah. with what we saw at North Carolina early. It's like, I agree. I, I think you're spot on. I don't think it's the Clemson of old, but I think they're probably going to get it rolling. They'll, 
patch things up enough on the offensive line to at least make the playoff and they'll get DJ rolling as somebody that has money on DJ to win the, the Heisman. <laughs> That's yeah. not a very encouraging performance. Yeah. I took a long shot Clemson national championship bet before the season too. And I feel like I can already rip that ticket up. So who stood out for you though, on that Georgia defense, obviously, you know, they, they made things hell. I know we, we didn't have as good a notes for this one as, as we were hoping for, but it was a fun game, man. I mean, and also as, as dominant as that, that Clemson defense was, or Georgia defense was Clemson's defense played pretty well. On top of that, do you have any questions about, you know, JT Daniels still after this? Did this affirm what you thought of him? Are you still a skeptic? Like, where are you guys at there? Uh, absolutely on JT Daniels. I also, I saw news today. I think he's out uh, for their game this weekend. Um, they're starting, I, I don't even know. I can't remember the guy's name. Is he getting benched? Um, no, I think he's injured. So um, oh, okay. I, I think something popped up throughout the week. Um to rattle off some names real quick, I mean, Adam Anderson, Jordan Davis, two guys that we hyped up throughout the preseason. They looked awesome. Anderson um, and was then in that one. He was wrecking. And then N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker. Um, Georgia's just got another stud at linebacker that can run sideline to sideline. On the opposite side, uh, Brian Brissy, uh, the uh, edge defender that uh, mm-hmm. Andre was hyping up, looked good. Uh, Andrew Booth looked okay, too, so. He wasn't quite as solid as I was thinking, though, because he was kind of like one of the guys that I was going and thinking that I would be kind of just staring at all night, and he was just kind of one of the crowd. Yeah, I think he's just – he made a, a play on the ball that really caught my eye. I think I might just be putting too much stock into that one at the moment. But, um, you know, those Clemson defensive backs are pretty aggressive, so it's just nice to see that kind of continue still. Is Georgia a legitimate national title contender right now? Do they have enough offensively to keep up with Alabama or Ohio State, you know? I'm going to say no at the moment. I uh, This was on during the Montana game, so I was pretty locked in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Is the defense good enough for it to not matter? Um, Possibly. Uh, they were, they really, cause that's what I was wondering. I mean, they were so dominant and I was, and again, the Clemson offensive line was not good. Yeah. So man. that's kind of why I don't want to put too much stock in it because I mean, these guys on the edge were just blown by these Clemson tackles. Um, and then Jordan Davis was just eating people up. It was like Vita Vea last night. I mean, he was just getting so much pressure up the middle. It was insane. Um, but you know, I think they're really well-rounded. Um, they have guys in the back end. Uh, obviously, Darian Kendrick was the big headliner in the secondary. Um, we were, I already said Nicobe Dean on the second level, and then those guys on the defensive line. Um, so they're kind of complete through that whole defense. Um, whether they can hold Alabama and Bryce Young, you know, to a twenty-something point game, and JT Daniels can live up to actually putting some points on the board, uh, we'll see. Well put. All right, let's talk about quarterbacks, and then we'll shout out Manscaped and move into our week two preview here. But who, uh, I mean, we already kind of talked about it earlier. Matt Corral, was he your top performer in terms of the Division One quarterbacks this week? Um, draft eligible? Draft eligible, yes. Um, yeah, I'd say and so. If there's I mean, anyone else you want to shout out, throw them out too. I mean, just well, I mean, quality Bryce QB just looked the, the complete part, man. I mean, Daddy he's, did, man. He's going to be an absolute stud. Um, I didn't watch much of Cincinnati. I know Ritter had his moments also. Um, looking through the scoreboards here, 
Um, I, I mean, they played Colgate, but Dracovic in Boston College just absolutely dominated. Him and Zay Flowers are just on another level. Um, but yeah, I think draft eligible wise, maybe Slovis uh, would be the only one that could really push and you know say that he had a better weekend. I guess. Yeah, Malik Willis was good too. They played right. Campbell, so who cares? But he he was good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Campbell upset an FBS team in 2020. It was okay. like their first FBS win ever or something like that. Anyways, one of the weird teams I watched in the pandemic because there was not any other games on. But yeah, it was it was not a great week in terms of like if you were an NFL team hoping to land a quarterback this upcoming draft, I mean, Sam Howell hasn't impressed. You know, DJ hasn't really impressed. I know he's down the line, but like there just aren't a lot of QBs killing it. Dracovich did play well. My guy Carson Strong played pretty well at Cal, all things considered. He had a couple of throws that were just incredible, like touch throws down the sideline where you see the arc and the arm strength and his ability to just drop it in a bucket. It's that Josh Allen type of stuff, but he's more accurate right now than Josh Allen was coming out of college. So I just, I'm trying not to get too hyped on him, but I think, I think it would probably have to be Matt Crowell's one. And then I would go Carson strong as my, my second option, but where are we at in terms of Spencer Rattler? Because I think I have more questions about him come than I did coming in. And I wasn't even, I mean, I, I love his potential, but I wasn't that stoked on him even coming in. Yeah. I'm honestly not really surprised. I mean, it was more of the same of what I think I saw last year. Some iffy decisions with the ball, just, you know, kind of forcing it. And then, you know, he'll just pull these insane throws from time to time, but it's just inconsistent. Exactly. I mean, I saw one of the interceptions. I didn't see both of them. And the one I saw was just brutal. Like, just not seeing it. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's Spencer Rattler. It's the same things that we've been saying. He's still going to be a first-round pick just because of his size and his ability to run and his arm strength and all that. Like, he could have a horrible season, and he'll still probably be a first-round pick. But I, I'm just not in on this guy. I just – I don't see it. I don't – his decision-making worries me. And as as strong of an arm as he has, like, I feel like there are times he can't place the football. Like he overthrows guys when they're close to him. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not in on him. Hopefully Lincoln Riley can get it going, but not an encouraging sign. Um, how about Jack Cohen though for Notre Dame? He looked pretty damn good. Looked solid. Um, he looked really good. Yeah. That was a little bit surprising. I mean, I know that he kind of got pushed out because Graham Mertz, you know, played out of his mind for a couple of games last year. Um, but I was really surprised to see Jack Cohn. Yeah. Especially, Oh, that's another guy. I mean, that was just absolutely brutal last weekend. Um, but Jack Cohn, I was really surprised to see him play that well. Yeah. Um, we could, we can throw with Notre Dame in general. Oh, sorry. I think. Oh yeah. But Charlie Brewer, the, the Baylor transfer to Utah, you know, I talked him up before last season and then he kind of disappointed at Baylor. Um, but but he really played well last week. Again, it's Weber State and FCS team, so we'll wait and see. But, I mean, imagine if Utah had a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the team that wins exactly nine games every year, maybe they can take Might a win step forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. All right, let's, I want to talk week two, and I'm kind of chomping at the bit here, but just briefly, because we didn't talk about it, we got to talk about Florida State and Notre Dame. 
Because what a game, man. I mean, I, I was just thinking about turning it off. It was just starting to get to a point where I was like, all right, like Notre Dame's got it. And then Mackenzie Milton comes in. And all of a sudden the game turns around and it's like something straight out of a movie. And I've never rooted for Florida State so hard in my life. Notre Dame comes away with a win, but awesome showing. I mean, what what a great story. I, I hope Milton gets a chance to play down the line. I was hoping he would win the starting job after all, but it'll be interesting to kind of see how they play it after that because it's, it's clear he provided a spark for that offense. I feel like he's got to be the starter now. Like you can't you can't watch that. How do you game. go back on that story? Exactly. Like he was incredible after the first guy. He sucked. And we have that combination, and it's a veteran who's done all the things Mackenzie Milton's done. Like, I mean, how do how do you put it back on the bench? I think that's the biggest thing is Jordan Travis was just that was a shit show, man. I mean, he did not look good at Spurts last year and I don't know. I think that was one of the big reasons why I still didn't really believe in Florida State. Um, I knew they'd be better this year just because it's really impossible to be as bad as they have been recently. Um, but he just, I don't know what he did this offseason. It might have been a whole lot of nothing because he did not look very much better. Um, Deshaun Corbin, though, the running back for Florida State was awesome. He was fun to watch. Um, I turned this game on second half, so I was kind of, I don't know, invested from the get-go just because it was the game I turned on and I was just going to stick around to the end and I just got a nice, uh, pleasant overtime surprise. Where are we at with Notre Dame? Because I think if you only watched the first half, you'd have been like, this is a playoff contender. And then if you only watched the second half, you'd be like, I don't, they've got some brutal games coming up. I'm really curious to see how they respond because I do think Cone played really well. I have some questions about that defense, though, moving forward. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Go ahead, I mean, th- that isn't that isn't one of the best Notre Dame teams, you know. And I think I think it's worth noting, like as good as Cone looked, he is replacing Ian Book, who you know, for all of his flaws as a draft prospect, is like the winningest quarterback ever at Notre Dame. On top of like all the other things he did, so big shoes to fill. Exactly. And so if, if you're looking at the rest of this roster and saying like, uh, not quite sure it is what it used to be. And then you remember that for it to be an upgrade at quarterback, Jack Cohn needs to be really special. I mean, a Heisman finalist, you know, that's the next step up from what Ian book was before. I, I, I don't know. I think they're sit around the top 10 probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to see more. That game was just kind of, you know, just the madness of week one in college football all wrapped into a Monday night game. Um, this schedule just gets absolutely brutal. As it stands right now, they're uh, uh, starting September 25th, going all the way to Halloween. It's five strength rate ranked teams, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, and UNC. That is just an insane stretch um, for an independent, especially um, and I'm just, I don't really see them going four and one or five and oh during that stretch at this point, just from what they showed in week one. Um, but you know, they've got some tune up games. They got Toledo and Purdue before that. So maybe we could see some actual improvement and they're actually ready to, you know, really put up, uh, the fists and fight with these teams in this five game stretch. I wouldn't sleep on Toledo, man. They're going to put up some points. That'd be one you definitely don't want to get behind in, but in the in the scheme of things with their with their schedule that's definitely should be one of the easier ones here comes utah state by the way they were down 14 now they're down one just got an interception 
might actually beat an FCS team, yay Mountain West. Um, <laughs> let's talk about week two. Uh, before we do, though, oh, man, this read is intense. Do you ever shave your balls and it ends up being as bloody as a Nate Diaz fight? Good news, because today's episode is sponsored by the official electric trimmer of the UFC, Manscaped. They just released their fourth-generation performance package. Fellas, get your black belt and ball trimming and join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR. Guys, the Performance Package 4.0. It is a complete upgrade to your male hygiene routine. You're going to get the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver. You're going to get the Performance Boxer Briefs, which are just so comfortable, and the Shed Travel Bag, which is legitimately super clutch. All the other travel bags I've ever had have been really small. This one's massive. I can get like multiple razors, my comb, hair gel, toothpaste, the whole nine yards. The champion of this package, though, is the Lawnmower 4.0, which is a pound-for-pound greatest ball trimmer in the world. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a travel lock. It's got a 4K LED spotlight for when you need a more precise shave. And of course, it is waterproof, so you can use it in the shower as well. Make sure you are using that code DNVR and you are going to save 20%. Get free shipping. Super, super clutch. We love Manscaped. You'll love Manscaped. I'm so grossed out by thinking about uh, bloody balls and Nate Diaz and all that. That was a Manscaped creatives. They are, they are definitely earning their paychecks. But uh, let's finish up the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook with a little bit of week two preview talk. We're getting this podcast a little bit out or out a little bit later than we would have liked to, so we won't dive into week two quite as much as we would have otherwise, but there's still plenty to talk about. And some of the implication and stuff doesn't matter, even if the game's already happened when you're listening to this. Kind of jump right into it and put you on the spot. What game are you most looking forward to? Jake, you're on the clock. Um, I'm going to take the easy one, uh, 10 a.m. on Fox, Oregon at Ohio State, um, just because it's two kind of brand names going at it. Um, and I'm just, you know, Hanks kind of talked about this Oregon secondary uh, being sneaky underrated, and I want to see them against uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, I don't really think C.J. Stroud's going to, you know, improve much from that week one performance. I mean, he's going to get the ball to those guys, and they're going to make some plays, I'm sure of it. Um, but in terms of the number at 14 and a half, especially if Thibodeau is able to play and if they're able, he's able to generate some pressure and kind of force Stroud into some throws that he doesn't want to do. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably go Oregon plus 14 and a half here. Yeah, that's I, uh, I put half a unit on that and I put a unit on the upset, which is a little bit bold. But again, I, I wasn't impressed with Stroud. And I think that when you look at the way Oregon is kind of built with that secondary, those linebackers and Kayvon Thibodeau up front, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for Ohio State to score this week than it was last week. And on the other side, um, just the running game that Oregon has is it's good. They've got three really good running backs and the offensive line wasn't what it needed to be last week, but 
I mean, we saw what Mohammed Ibrahim did to, uh, or Ibrahim, I think is how he says it, did to him last week before he got hurt. I th- I think that this is going to be a really fun game. Little surprise this one's a 10 a.m. Mountain Time start, just given yeah, this could be prime time, but no beef with me. Wake up, get, I imagine it'll be Gus Johnson and, and Joel Klatt on the call. Mm-hmm. Should be an awesome one. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Hank, I'm sure you were looking forward to that one as well. What are some of the other games you're looking forward to this weekend? I mean, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. Um, Obviously, for me, Texas A&M, Colorado is going to be a lot of fun. Um, You're telling me you're not looking forward to Alabama Mercer at 2 p.m. Mountain Time? (laughs) 53 point spread? Alabama murder. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M, I'm really excited to get to see all these guys. I'm getting out there, like, the plan is to be inside that stadium two hours before kickoff and then just follow Jalen Weidermeyer around as much as I'm allowed to. Um, The bus cover on the spot right now? uh, What did I have? I had, I think, 38-17. So 21 would be no. So no, they wouldn't cover. Yeah, so no. But I do think that they have a real chance. When you just, again, look at the way the teams are built. Colorado runs the ball really well. And I mean, they've been over 250 in three of seven games since the start of last year. Texas AM gave up, uh, I think it was 226 last week, the most in the entire SEC. And they were playing Kent State. So that gives you some hope. The fact they've got a freshman quarterback who turned the ball over three times before they put in the other quarterback against Kent State. That's another thing that you look at and say, hey, this is the defense is going to have opportunities to get the ball back. Who knows if Colorado's offense can just run or not, but we'll see. In terms of the draft, though, I mean, Jalen Weidermeyer, I'm pumped to see him. I'm pumped to see uh, Isaiah Spiller, um, DeMarvin Leal, the defensive lineman, um, Kenyon Green at right tackle. I mean, they have four first-round draft picks, which is it's just incredible. And then uh, on top of that, like Anaya Smith, the guy who I've really liked since last year, and, you know, we're talking about could Charbonnet be a Broncos guy, not the perfect fit. Anaya Smith could be that perfect fit for that receiving back. And to get eyes on him is going to be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, big time. That was probably, I mean, you listed all the names, but that was a name from Texas A&M. I think I came away most impressed with, um, I mean, it was Kent State, but still um, he showed his ability as a runner and as a receiver, um, even though he only had three carries. But still, um, yeah, I'm. I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to match up with A&M in the trenches. And that's why I think I would take A&M against the spread, even though it's a pretty big number at 17. Um, I think that's eventually just going to wear them down. Um, I think that's how A&M should approach this game too, just kind of uh, force Colorado into mistakes to, uh, offensively. And then on the other side of the ball, just kind of plow over them with that huge offensive line and just feed Isaiah Spiller, um, kind of just let him really dictate the game at that point. Um, 17 is huge, but yeah, I think I'm just going to go with A&M here. Hank, have you heard anything in terms of what they expect the crowd to be like? Like how many A&M fans? Because I imagine there'll be a healthy amount in Denver, but as a CU guy, you would hope that this would be at least 80-20 CU A&M in terms of ratio. I haven't heard. I know that, so so in terms of numbers, 76,000 seats in the stadium. On Monday, they'd sold 53,000 tickets. You'd think they'd be able to get That's to it? 60 by now. Yeah. Um, That's all I'm saying. 
Denver's I bad football fans. So many times about, you know, CU, we can't schedule CSU because we got to schedule big time opponents. Well, they schedule Texas A&M and then like 50,000 people. Yeah. Guess what? 70,000 people <laughs> went to the last six Rocky Mountain showdowns. I'm tired of this bullshit. Put the showdown back on the schedule. <laughs> Anyways, it's take it not about, uh, Maybe it's not about ticket sales. It's more about giving yourself an opportunity to pull an upset. To lose by 20. I get it. It's an opportunity to to pull an upset is what they want. (laughs) Not an opportunity to blow a game. So you're uh, saying there's a chance. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, I was talking to other bus reporters. And it's weird, though, because we talk about it. It's like, I've never met a Texas A&M fan. None of the other bus reporters had. It seems like everywhere you look, like there's a Texas fan. And so nobody really knows. McChesney says that for West Texas... Uh, Denver is basically like a vacation destination. I mean, again, I you got to take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. But but, but I have no idea. I think what we decided is it's probably going to be sixty five thirty five somewhere right around there, two to one bus fans. But honestly, nothing would surprise me. That sounds about right. I, I think you will get a healthy amount of people that come in from Texas for the game. You know, you got big Texas oil money out there. AM boosters certainly are known for being some of the more wealthy in the country. Uh, the game I'm looking forward to, though, in terms of the Saturday afternoon games is Iowa at Iowa State. That's 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Iowa looked really good week one. Like, they looked dominant and stout defensively, and they looked pretty explosive offensively. I kind of talked about coming into the season, I was interested to see just how good they were offensively because they were a team that averaged about 30 points a game last year. I think Iowa Sneaky could be the team that makes some noise in the Big Ten this year. I thought coming in, it might be Wisconsin. Don't want to get too overreactionary just based on one week outcome, but Iowa looked good. I actually put some money on them to pull the upset at Iowa State. I got it at like plus 160. Yeah, yeah I mean, Iowa looked good, but... Iowa State just looked awful last weekend. I mean, Brock Purdy's stock, I think, just continues to plummet. Um, well, that's why I was so surprised I was able to get the, such good pl- – I know it's in Iowa State, but I was like, shoot, yeah. plus money, Iowa looks like the way better team. I'm with you. I mean, maybe it's kind of fishy that it's like that because Iowa just looks so good and Iowa State did not look good at all. Um, but I'm really surprised that this spread is – I mean, at four and a half – uh, for the Iowa State Cyclones, that's I feel like that's kind of substantial at this point. I mean, you know, maybe like a one to two point favorite, I could understand. Uh, but if you're saying more than a field goal at this point, I just don't believe you. But I mean, Vegas, they they pull the wool over our eyes more often than not, right? So I don't know. I, I'd kind of stay away from this. Um, I think Hank had the under pick. I do like that a lot. Um, if anything, I'd sprinkle that Iowa money line. That's um, what I took, but... Yeah, I think you guys kind of covered it all. And I do have that under. <laughs> those, those are, I mean, there's like CSU plays Vanderbilt and what's like the toilet bowl. The Rams actually a seven point favorite over an SEC team. A little bit surprising, I guess, just given the outcome. But I mean, Vanderbilt lost by 20 to a much more mediocre FCS team than CSU lost to. Again, we're, we're kind of reaching for optimism at this point in Fort Collins after that last game. But I don't know. I mean, Vandy's been pretty awful. They haven't beaten an FBS team in almost two years. I know you don't, neither of you guys watch either of these teams like all that frequently. You dive into CSU. Am I crazy for thinking they can at least cover 
a touchdown spread against Vanderbilt. I feel the same way about this game as I did last week. We're just like, I don't Someone's know. Someone's winning by two scores. You just don't know which one it is. Exactly. We're just like, I, these two teams, I don't think are on the same level. I don't know which one is better, though. Like, like, is the fact that Vanderbilt's an SEC team and spends every week playing Bama and Georgia and all those guys, like, does that just mean that they're up? Like, I don't necessarily think so, but I also don't think that, like, you look at Colorado State coming off that loss and say, like, oh, yeah. They're, they're I'm not feeling them. cocky, that's for sure. Exactly. I'm just looking at it in terms of they only scored three points at home against East Tennessee State last week, lost 23-3. They hired Clark, uh, Clark Lee, former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, so they're going to be kind of a defensive-minded program. I don't think CSU's offense is going to be anything sexy, especially if they just keep trying to run it and it doesn't work. If that happens, that's where things could get really shaky for CSU is if we see – four three and outs they're not running the football and we see no flexibility no willingness to adjust on the fly because that was one of the things jake came on the rams pod and talked about the offense looked best when they spread things out last week and, and just kind of let centeo pick it apart i'm a little worried adazio is going to be so gung-ho on getting the run game going that it's just going to be like one of those where just all game run run pass run run pass punt like and, and that could get ugly real quick I know it was ugly for Vanderbilt last week, but they did outgain uh, East Tennessee State. They also had 10 more first downs in them. Um, it was the three turnovers that really killed them. Um, be that being big. said, I still think I'm just going to go Colorado State to cover this. Um, I just simply think they're the better team here. Um, I don't know. Vanderbilt's never really been anything special to me. And I think Colorado State's got some real impact players, and I think that's going to take over. Yeah, I That's took them. I mean, they don't have a tray. I took, took the Vandy? Vanderbilt money line because it was like plus two thirty, and this again, like in my, brain, I understand the value play in that situation. And if it was if it was the other way, I would have taken the other way. But just again, I don't. It feels like just a coin toss, and I I have no idea what to expect. Which means I probably just shouldn't have bet on it. I guess, but <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> There's a couple of other intriguing games in terms of like Stanford, USC. I'm curious how that plays out, but Stanford's been awful. Um, I think San Diego State. Yep. Washington, Michigan, we'll talk about. I was just kind of briefly going through these. I think San Diego State has the potential to upset Arizona on the road. I don't think Um, Arizona wins a game this year. That's what I'm saying. San Diego State money line. I'm thinking the same thing. But I think before we go, we got to talk Washington, Michigan, and I think we got to talk Arkansas, Texas, and, yeah. and that's probably the most relevant games on the slate. Uh, let's just start Michigan, Washington, because we already briefly talked about it a little bit when we talked about Washington, Montana. I mean, you guys mentioned it. Maybe, maybe Washington as a sneaky upset here, being pissed off after losing to Montana. I like. I don't think Michigan scores twenty points on that defense. And that's kind of where it comes from. The, the, the question, though, is can Washington even get to double digits? Um, and because of that, it's like, yeah, it, it probably should be a, a decent spread in favor of Michigan. Was it six and a half now? For sure. And I think mm-hmm. that's about right. And I think that if, if, these, if, if Washington was a different style of team that was just as good, the spread's probably like 11 points just because so many more points are scored in the game and there's more time for there to for that to be spread out. Um, but I, I, 
I do think that there's a real chance for an upset here just because the defense is good and you just got to get lucky a couple times and no offense, Jake, but Michigan does have a tendency to make some mistakes that uh, will uh, blow us to the game like this one. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you don't have to remind me, man. Um, but yeah, Ronnie Bell going down with that knee injury, their best receiver. Um, so they're really going to be limited on the outside. Now a team that was already kind of limited on the outside. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, the running backs and, you know, Cade McNamara kind of not turning the ball over really what's going to determine this for Michigan. I do like how Michigan matches up defensively against Washington though. Um, Daxton Hill was pretty good in his first game last week and Aiden Hutchinson was all over the place. Um, so if that's able to work in tandem, if they're able to generate pressure and maybe create a couple turnovers, um, I think Michigan does cover this spread. Maybe I'm just going with my heart here, but I'm going to, I would take Michigan to cover this. Um, it's in Ann Arbor. I just think with the 110 maize and blue behind you, um, you have that defense, uh, you're going to kind of rely on that running game. Um, you know, the over under is 48 and a half. So we're not expecting a lot of points, of course. Uh, but I think that a turnover or two in Michigan's favor kind of tilts the scales. I guess it's worth mentioning too. Uh, I remember seeing the spread at seven, I think at seven and a half also. So it is moving in Washington's favor uh, so far. Yeah, this is, a, I mean, this is a huge game for the Pac-12. I think obviously yeah. you look at Oregon, Ohio State as the really big one, but at the same time, the national perspective is that Oregon loses that game and what they need to do is keep it close. But I mean, just looking at where the Pac-12 is now, like five teams in the top 25, uh, only the SEC has a sixth. And if you lose this game to, if like Washington loses to Michigan, Oregon gets blown out by Ohio State, Texas A&M goes into Denver and beats up on Colorado after watching what already happened to the Pac-12 North last week where they just got demolished. Things could get ugly, and this would kind of turn into another season where it's like, oh, well, they're the afterthought. Definitely a big game. San Diego Texas, State Arkansas. Arizona, too. Yes, right. that's what I was going to say. I feel pretty good about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about, ah, I shouldn't parlay it. I was like, Oregon money line is plus 500 right now. Um, let's talk about this Arkansas-Texas game, because I think Texas looked impressive in the Steve Sarkeesian debut. Not going to go so far as saying they're back or anything like that. But I think this is a big big test for them. You know, you're going up against an SEC team. It's not a cakewalk, but, you know, you're not facing Alabama or Georgia. Texas seven-point favorites. I'm all over that, but part of me also feels like this there's a sneaky chance for a Texas letdown here. At least there would have been over the last 10 years or so. I mean, look, this is a horns down podcast. Um, we've made ourselves <laughs> clear on that front, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm about to heel turn because Texas really impressed me last week and I'm going to hammer that. <sighs> this minus is like seven. when Shawn Michaels super kicked Hulk Hogan and everyone was like, ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You're good. Um, but Bajon Robinson from Texas is an absolute stud. Uh, Jordan Whittington, the wide receiver, he's a sophomore. He was very impressive also. Um, and even the quarterback. Um, I, I don't have his name pulled up right now, so forgive me uh, for not having that. Um, but he looked pretty solid. Uh, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, was able to make some big plays. Uh, kind of looked a little bit like Sam Ellinger a bit. I mean, he was moving on the run pretty well, throwing on the run. Um I don't know. Texas a little bit just more athletic, Ellinger. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I see a game like this and say like, okay, sure. You beat a ranked team by 20. It was also, it was, it was a G5 team who like was good before. Maybe like the reputation from last year pumped them up a little bit. You combine that with the fact that it's Texas and they blow games like this. Like everything inside me says bet against them. But I'm with you guys. Like I, I, I it's Sarkeesian. They look good. Um, I think, I think that they do cover this one. Um, it is on the road. So I guess you have that working against you going into for sure. Arkansas and their crazy woo pig fans. I might, I might wait until like that TCU game in a couple weeks to, to pick my Texas letdown. I mean, That's yeah, fair. it's going to happen at some point, right? Um, I just don't think it's in this spot. Going back to Arkansas, though, I mean, they would they play Rice, I think it was? And yeah. they pulled the cover out of their ass at the very end of the fourth quarter there. Um, so Rice with three turnovers also. Uh, so I think that, you know, maybe, I don't want to say Arkansas is overhyped because they're not hyped, by I think, by anyone. But um, I think this spread is a lot bigger if they didn't have that huge comeback and cover last week. Agreed. I thought it, I was, and I mean, I guess with it being in Arkansas, that factors in as well, but I'm surprised this isn't more like 10 or 11 points in favor of Texas. Because of that, again, I am all in on uh, Texas minus seven. That's actually my DraftKings pick of the week. If you listen to the Rams pod, hopefully they make me look smart. That's all I've got. I'm going through my notes here in terms of week two. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we go? No. All right. This has been the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. We will be back next week. Hopefully, Dre will be back with us. We've had all kinds of stuff with the PHNX launch. Uh, shout out to all those people really successful out there. If you're not following on social media, go check it out. They've got a really talented staff. They're going to be covering all the Arizona teams, including the college ones. So if you're looking for some Arizona, Arizona State perspectives come uh, draft time. Get them. We'll have to get them on here at some point just to kind of get their thoughts on some of those ASU guys, and especially I don't, I don't know how many Arizona guys are really we'll going to be ASU a. Guys on. Yeah, we'll get the ASU guys on here. <laughs> we don't need to be mean. That's all I've got to say. I'm Justin. Thank you for listening to the draft pod. We'll be back next week. Much love.